Hey guys, welcome back to the Old Christian Podcast. You're listening to Jared Montana. So today's episode is going to be about Calvinism. Um, I was asked on TikTok, and this was originally supposed to be a TikTok, but it was a little bit too long. So, But I was asked on TikTok to talk about why I'm not a Calvinist. But more particularly, I made a comment about how I don't believe Calvinism is good for apologetics. And now I'm no apologist or anything like that, but that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to give my, uh, I guess, my reasoning. So just to kind of just right out the gate, all right, we're, we're not in a hurry, but we're just going to run right through it. So if you aren't sure what Calvinism is, it's essentially it's Christianity. Okay, it's Christian. It's, 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 it's fairly biblical. Um, but Calvinism is a lens with which you view scripture. Um, so we're going to kind of run through what Calvinism is, and I'm going to talk about it and why I don't believe it's the best theology to hold. Um, but again, this is just personal preference. If you're a Calvinist listening to this, I'll tell you this right now. Calvinists are single-handedly the, the people I respect most in all of Christianity. Uh, Calvinists know the Bible in and out, and every time I meet somebody that's a Calvinist, I know that they're going to be knowledgeable. Um, only Calvinists <laughs> uh, are willing to study the Scripture, it seems like. So um, that is a huge admiration that I, that I hold for Calvinists. But uh, I'd rather sit up under a Calvinist preacher than uh, a free gracer preacher, So meaning that... Uh, they, they just teach grace, 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 grace. You ain't got to do nothing, which is obviously wrong. So, because should we sin so that grace or so that grace may abound? No, absolutely not, as Paul says. Anyways, so the five points of Calvinism are this. It's a, there's an acronym called TULIP, like the, the flower, T-U-L-I-P. And so in that, we're going to start first. It's going to be the T in TULIP. It stands for uh, total depravity. Um, essentially what that means is that, and this is what I actually agree with, it means that because of the fall of man, we are depraved, we are sinful, and we cannot help ourselves, we cannot save ourselves. And of course, that's where Jesus comes in, that's why we need Jesus, is because we are depraved. And so that's what the T stands for, is total depravity. Um, and so typically where that comes from, I'm not going to read these, but it comes from Mark 7, 21-23, Romans six twenty, and 1 Corinthians two fourteen. 14. Um, so as you read through what Paul states um, in Scripture, he brings out our two different natures. We talk about it all the time in this podcast, so I'm not going to dive into it in this episode. But um, total depravity, which, again, I agree with. Um, we are depraved. We need a Savior. Uh, the U in TULIP stands for unconditional election. Uh, this is what I actually disagree with. That's what a lot of people disagree with with Calvinism. Um, and it's basically it's the, the, the belief that there is an elect um, which, okay, let me clarify. I partially agree with it. So unconditional election, the U and TULIP, it stands for that unconditional election. But again, there's an elect. So from the beginning of time, God has chosen whom he was going to love and who whom he was going to save. And so that's why I say I partially agree with it. Because on this podcast, you'll hear me say that uh, according to, I think it's Romans chapter 8, I believe. Uh, it is Romans chapter 8, uh, somewhere around verse 28 or 29. Um, that's where it starts anyway, anyways. And so it says that uh, through his foreknowledge, he, whom he predestined, is what it says. And so I believe that God, in his foreknowledge, knew what the outcome of our free will would be. So he then created a plan from the beginning of time. Again, he's all-knowing uh, and exists outside of time. So he can look at all moments of time at any point he wants, right? He's all-powerful. And uh, so through the foreknowledge of our free will, he created a plan so that our free will accomplishes his will. Um, that's what I believe. That's what I hold to based off of that passage. Now, a lot of Calvinists, they'll look at that passage and be like, look, predestined. But they'll also look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 and be like, look, predestined. And so in that, they'll say, okay, well, there is an elect people whom he chose uh, from the beginning of time. And that's what the U stands for, unconditional election. 
And which also means the alternative that God chose who was going to go to hell. So that is, uh, well, anyways, that I'll, I'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, the L for tulip stands for limited atonement. Um, basically, this is just means that uh, Christ only died for the sins of the chosen, the sins of the elect. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I could, I'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, yeah, limited atonement that Jesus only died for those who believe. Um, so the I stands for irresistible grace. I actually do agree with this, um, in the sense of, uh, God's irresistible grace is the belief that God brings his elect to salvation through like an internal call. Um, I know that, and I believe it's Ecclesiastes. I could be completely wrong with that. This is just kind of like an off-the-cusp podcast. It's not not one I uh, probably adequately prepared for. But anyways, there's a, a scripture that I'm sure we've all heard, but God has written eternity on our hearts. And so I think I would call that the internal call. And so I do think that through free will, this is my personal belief, this is not Calvinism, I personally believe. Um, I guess you could technically classify me as a classical Arminianist. Um, it's kind of like a, a it's both. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'll talk about that more later. Um, but I do believe that God gives us things in this life to point us towards him. Um, so he'll allow things to happen to point us towards him. And um, yeah, so we have eternity written on our hearts. And so he uses that to encourage us to seek out eternity, uh, seek out him. And so that's my personal belief. However, back to Calvinism, they believe that there's an internal call. Um, the Holy Spirit supplies grace to them until they repent and are born again, um, which again, I do agree with. Um, and Calvinists tend to, you know, uh, reaffirm this doctrine with Romans nine sixteen, Philippians 2, and uh, John chapter 6. And then the P in TULIP uh, stands for perseverance of the saints. And so... <clears throat> Uh, essentially what this means is that the elect cannot lose their salvation. Um, we talked about that a good bit on this podcast before. Um, I also hold to the belief that we cannot lose our salvation from the divine perspective. So from God's perspective, we cannot lose our salvation. Um, I've begun to, if, if you listen to uh, this podcast, you've, you maybe if you listen to the one episode, I don't remember which one it was. But I basically say that I've begun to split scripture from, uh, based off the context, of course, but like, is this written from God's perspective or is it written from man's perspective? And so oftentimes we'll see, like in Psalms, we'll see it's written from man's perspective. Sometimes it's also in God's perspective. But then specifically, like in Hebrews chapter one, we'll see that it's written from God's perspective. And so I think it is wise to uh, divide scripture appropriately in the sense of uh, understanding the perspective and such. And so... From there's a lot of scripture that uh, that will say um, from God's perspective. It doesn't say that, but it, it's implied when you read the context that we cannot lose salvation. Because if you think about it, God exists outside of time. He, theoretically, He lives in the past as well as He lives in the future at the exact same moment, right? Because He exists outside of time, He can do that. Um, that's part of being all powerful, right? And so might boggle your mind there for a second, but if God can do that, that means that he sees the past and he sees the present and he sees the future all at once. Um, and in that, if our future, now I'm speaking from the human perspective, if our future is heaven, then God sees us in heaven currently. Think about that, okay? Because he exists outside of time, he can see the future, he can see, see the human perspective of future currently because that is his present, right? Um, everything is his present. And so since God sees the future um, presently, and again, from the, the, the divine perspective there, then he knows who is in heaven. And so 
in that sense, somebody can't lose their salvation. Like people don't go in and out of heaven constantly um, from God's perspective, right? Um, based off of how they act and stuff like that. That's why I don't believe in uh, a the possibility of losing salvation because if we think about it in terms of our future, heaven, hell, all that fun stuff. Now, this is where a lot of, I'm going to lose a lot of people, and that's fine. Um, feel free to ask any questions. Uh, go to our Instagram and stuff like that. But um, in Luke chapter 16, it talks about how there's a master, there's a, and then his servant, Lazarus, and then Abraham. And long story short, none of that really matters for the point I'm trying to make. But there's a verse in there that says there's a great chasm between heaven and hell that no one can cross. And so in that... I believe that once you're in heaven, you're in heaven. Once you're in hell, you're in hell. You cannot cross back and forth. And so going back to the divine perspective, that is God's perspective, since he sees our, the human perspective of the future, whether we're in heaven or hell, um, if we were to choose, sorry, if we were in our current moment to lose salvation, then from God's perspective, he would see us crossing from heaven back down to hell. And then if we were to choose God again, to uh, choose belief in Jesus again, then he would see us cross from uh, hell back to heaven. Maybe that's that's wrong, but that's how I view it, and I think that makes sense. And so um, that's part of the reason why I don't believe in logically, at least, and why I don't believe that you can lose salvation. I wasn't supposed to get into like my reasonings, but I guess that's the end of Tulip. So it, you know, I guess it makes sense. Um, and so biblically, though, we do see examples of both. We see examples of free will, and we see examples of uh, predestination. And so when we look at Scripture, we have to take into account the whole of Scripture. And like we, don't, we don't just look at one verse and hold to that ideology. No, we look at everything and then form a uh, theology based off of everything, right? And so we've talked about this before on the podcast again. But um, anyways, so I believe that we cannot lose salvation inherently um, because God knows all. However, from our human perspective, we don't know. Theoretically, I could very well, five years from now, I know this won't because of where my faith is at, um, but theoretically speaking, uh, five years from now, I could choose to abandon the faith. And because I genuinely don't know the future, I can't say um, that we can't lose salvation in that sense. So First uh, John chapter 2, verse 19 states that if, you, if somebody leaves the church, it shows that they never truly belonged to the church. And so what that means is, is that if I hold to this belief, by the way, that if somebody leaves the faith, then that shows that they are never truly saved. Um, we talked about that before as well. And so anyways, um, there's a whole lot of thoughts. There are a whole lot of possible questions. But ultimately what matters is what the Bible says. Um, but again, this is just answering the question of why I don't believe Calvinism is the best theology. You know, honestly, it is scriptural. They do use a lot of, uh, Bible verses to support their ideology. And that's why I have a lot of respect for Calvinists. I really do. Um, so here's what, I probably went on five different trails and and didn't complete any of the five trails in terms of why I believe what I believe. But uh, I'm going to start back from the beginning of TULIP and explain why I don't believe Calvinism is the best for the sake of apologetics. And so when we go back to the T, which is, again, total depravity, um, I, I think that this is actually a really good point for apologetics. So when, we're, I, when I speak of apologetics, I'm specifically thinking of um, an atheist, somebody that is totally you know, against Christianity, somebody that is an affirmed atheist. They will argue with you because that's what I encounter the most. Um, and so that's what I think of. And so, um, 
Total depravity. I, I agree. I think that when we're using apologetics, when we're, we, which by the way, apologetics, I should have explained this before, it's the defense of the, of the Christian faith. It's the defense of the faith. And so uh, a lot of times, though, it's a, a good defense is an offense. Or sorry, a good offense is a good defense. Either way, it works. And so a lot of the times, apologetics is used to spread the gospel. It's used to evangelize. And so uh, it's really important that everybody know apologetics. It's really important that you know how to defend the faith. Uh, but in doing so, it's, it's really cool because you can, you can evangelize with it. And so anyways, total depravity, I think it's really important for the sake of apologetics when you're in the conversation with an atheist. Uh, if they're willing to have conversation, that's a whole never, another uh, discussion, a whole other podcast episode. But if they're willing to have discussion, I think it's important that they know that they are depraved in the sense of nobody's perfect, nobody is good. Um, in fact, there is only one good person. He died on the cross some 2,000 years ago. And so I think it's important that we all know that we're flawed because as Romans, I believe, chapter 3, verse 23, it states that for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Um, and then also in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it states that uh, for the wage of sin is death, right? But the free gift of God is, is eternal life. And anyways, so moving on from the T, again, total depravity, good for apologetics. Awesome. Good job. Point one, Calvinism. Um, U stands for unconditional election, which again, just reminders that uh, God has chosen whom he wants in heaven from the beginning of time. And likewise, it's the double predestination aspect of this is that he has also chosen who's going to go to hell. This is where I believe Calvinism loses a lot of traction in terms of apologetics. Uh, I don't think that I will, uh, if I'm speaking to an atheist, I don't think that I will gain their trust by saying, hey, by the way, if you end up going to hell, it's because God doesn't love you, right? That's how they would take it. Um, and so if I say, yeah, God chooses something who he wants to go to heaven, they would instantly take that as, okay, he chooses who goes to hell then. And how do you recover from that? Because if God chooses who goes to hell, then how is that loving? That's just, it's absolutely just. But from the atheist perspective here, again, dividing up perspectives, it is not loving whatsoever. And so if that is not loving, then how can we say that God is love? And so that immediately sounds like a contradiction. And so if they catch on to a contradiction, they are not going to believe in our faith. And so um, unconditional election absolutely every single time um, loses that debate. Um, it really does. And I and here's the thing is like, I've, I've, I hold the theology that I hold because of lost debates, honestly. Like, I, I've tried the Calvinism thing. Uh, it, it, when, when, when debating with atheists, it did not work, and it, it, I found that out quickly. Um, and so it's funny, though, because, like, a lot of uh, individuals here recently have been like, Jared, your knowledge is, you know, like, how do you know so much? Um, and it's because I've learned through my failures. Um, I like to talk, I guess. <laughs> no, that's not true. I, I actually despise talking unless it's about the Bible, but... Um, in terms of debating the Bible, I used to love it. Really, five, ten years ago, I would debate anybody about anything about the Bible. And it's not that I knew what the Bible necessarily said. I just wanted to debate. I wanted to argue. And through that, I lost so many times. Um, and I remember I, we, uh, me and my buddies we were at a campfire, actually, and because uh, we were we were camper, campers. We were that kind of people in and so we were sitting around the campfire and we were having this discussion about Calvinism or predestination versus free will is what we called it. And, and I was at that time, I was 100% free will. There was no predestination at all. I was unlearned. I was uneducated and they pointed that out quick. Um, and so, 
and you, you know you can't refute scripture when you when you read Romans chapter eight and, and Ephesians chapter one. It's it's pretty clear that there is a, a level of predestination. But anyways, um, going back to unconditional election, I, earlier in this podcast I said I would expound on my thoughts, and so um, because Calvinism is predestination, right? Um, that's that's essential. When when somebody says that, uh, oh, we're debating free will versus predestination. It's essentially another term for is Calvinism, which is predestination, versus Arminianism, which is free will. Um, and so, which is kind of interesting because ideologies shift over time. And so classical Arminianism is what uh, Billy Graham is, or was. Uh, awesome dude, by the way. Um, he was a, a classical Arminianist. Arminian, yeah, anyways. And that's actually what I also hold to. And it's the sense of that free will and um, predestination coexist. Now, if you ask... A Calvinist about uh, predestination and free will. They, they they'll say that they believe believe in free will because free will is biblical. Uh, for example, we all choose to believe in the name of Jesus, right? Um, in that sense, Calvinists will say, okay, well that's limited free will. However, I don't believe in in limited free will. And when you use the the argument of limited free will in a debate with an atheist, it doesn't go very far. Um, and so because obviously, I think everybody inherently believes that they have the choice to do anything that they want. Now, sometimes, like, for example, um, if I wanted to be the, I don't even know, like the, the queen of, of, of England, I obviously can't do that because, one, I'm a man, and two, I don't live in England, right? Um, maybe it's a bad example, and maybe that's a point for Calvinism through that example. But um, I, I genuinely don't think that um, – I think that we have the free will to do anything. I really do. Um, if I if I want to choose to uh, be a Satan worshiper, then I can do that. And and so, anyways, um, that's something I, I'd be totally uh, down to talk to a Calvinist more about. But anyways, so that is unconditional election. Again, they believe that uh, there there is an elect, and therefore God also chooses the unelect. And so that's a loss. And and when talking to an atheist every single time, and then with pre- free will and predestination. Uh, we, again, going back to what I, I guess I didn't finish this thought. So we have to take into account the whole of Scripture. And so when there's verses uh, supporting predestination, there's verses supporting free will. It's not free ver- uh, free will versus predestination. It's it's not an either-or situation. It's a both-and. So again, because we have to take into account the whole of Scripture, we have to combine the two in some way, form, or fashion to make sense of it. And so I believe that Romans chapter 8 actually makes sense of it when it says that through his foreknowledge, he predestined. And so um, the way that I make sense of it, and this is the way Billy Graham also made sense of it, and a lot of other great pastors, is God gave us free will, and then it was through that free will and his foreknowledge, he knew what the outcome of their free will would be, and so in that, he planned. Um, and so uh, anyways, uh, that, that's a conversation for a whole other podcast, because I, I can make a 45-minute episode on that. Um, but anyways, so unconditional election... <laughs> That's a X for um, Calvinist for me. So, and then stands for uh, L stands for limited atonement. So, this is again that Jesus only died for the elect. Um, I don't like this because again, it, it, when uh, in terms of apologetics, when speaking to like an atheist or somebody of a different faith, um, if Jesus only died for the elect, then again, that doesn't seem very loving. So, I think this goes hand in hand with unconditional election, um, and that's why I don't like it. Um, now, I can see why the like again. Calvinism that's very scriptural in the sense of they have uh, scripture to support their their theology, their ideology. Um, 
but again, in terms of this, this, this podcast is in terms of apologetics. And so, um, why I don't like Calvinism for apologetics. And so anyways, um, if Jesus Christ only died for the elect, then we can't go around saying Jesus died for you. Like, I feel like it's very powerful. And when we say, um, when we're talking to somebody outside of the faith, and it's like, God loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. And we can't say that if we don't believe that he died for everybody. We can only say that if we believe he died for the elect. And so if I'm a Calvinist, I can't go up to say that. Like, he loved you so much. Like, imagine this, all right? Imagine your best friend was willing to die for you. Everybody wants a best friend that's willing to die for them, right? Like, we can all agree on that. And so I think that that's a common ground that we can use with people outside of the faith and be like, look, don't you want somebody willing to die for you? God did. Jesus did. And uh, we can't do that if we're Calvinists. We can't say that. Instead, we're like, well, yeah, you're a reprobate. You're, uh, you're, you're destined to hell. And you know what? I mean, are they wrong? No, they're not wrong. But I don't think it's the best route. Um, so that's what this is. That's what this podcast is. What is the best route? way. Uh, what is the best theology? And again, this, this is probably subjective. This is, this is a purely opinion-based. Um, and again, this is more so opinionated than it is scriptural. Um, because again, this is in terms of, of speaking uh, and with apologetics. And I will state this. I believe that the best apologists are those who are the, the most learned in scripture, the most educated in scripture. If you know what the Bible says in and out, you're going to be a great apologist. Um, because the Bible in and of itself is great at defending itself. And so anyways, um, right. So I don't like limited atonement for that reason. Um, just because it's similar to unconditional election. Um, I believe that according to John chapter three sixteen, uh, it says for God so loved the world. And that word used there is agape. It is unconditional. Just like what the words that, uh, it says that, uh, God loves the elect, uh, as Calvinists would say. It's the exact same word there, unconditional love, agape love. Uh, it says that so God so loved agape, the world, that he gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God loves the world. And there's also another place. It's either in one of the Timothys or one of the Thessalonians. I think it's in chapter four of one of those books, but I could be wrong. But anyways, it states something along the lines of God wants everyone to be saved. And so um, if God wants everyone to be saved, and I, I personally don't believe that uh, he would only die for the elect, that doesn't make any sense. So I believe that when Jesus died, he died for everybody. He died for the world. He died for um, everybody so that we could all have the availability to choose to believe in him. That makes sense to me, um, and I think it made sense to Paul too. But anyways, um, and a lot of other really good pastors, Paul being, of course, the, the guy that wrote 13 or 14 of the New Testament books. Um, but anyways, so that is L out of, for tulip. Now the I is irresistible grace. So let's talk about that. Um, so I do agree with irresistible grace. I do think that, um, and again, this is just a reminder, uh, there's an internal call within us. Uh, like I said, I agree with this. And so, um, I believe that God will, it is, this is my explanation of it. Um, which is why I don't necessarily agree with the Calvinist view. So the Calvinists, if they're in a conversation with uh, an atheist or somebody outside of the faith, uh, when it comes to the, the, the topics of things that cover irresistible grace, um, then essentially what they're going to say, the, the Calvinists to this, this, say this atheist, would be, if you don't experience this calling, if you don't feel a pulling towards the faith, then you will never be saved. Um, and maybe they wouldn't say that, but that's definitely something they would think, right? 
Um, it just, it just aligns with their theology. And so, um, anyway, wow, this is 23 minutes at this point. Uh, at least I'm almost done. Y'all, y'all, y'all hang tight. (laughs) Um, so if I were to have that theology when speaking to an atheist, um, that's not very evangelistic of me because now the Calvinists will say that the reason that they spread the gospel is because they don't know who is supposed to hear the gospel and who's going to be saved. They don't know. So they spread. Um, whereas the complete opposite view, which again, I'm not, I don't hold to the complete opposite view, but of the, the complete free will, complete Arminian, uh, whatever it is, the free gracers, um, they'll take it as, Oh, we spread the gospel to everybody because everybody will, or has the potential to be saved. Um, has the potential not will but anyways so well i hold to that ideology anyways uh i do believe that anybody can be saved as long as they believe but uh back to the calvinist uh, apology for irresistible grace um if somebody doesn't experience that internal call then through calvinism it'd be like okay well if you've never experienced the calling to the faith then I'm not even going to waste my time with you. And maybe, again, maybe a Calvinist won't say that, but it it aligns with their theology. Um, However, me, for example, the reason uh, or what I hold when I have conversation is that we do have this, like I said before, we have this uh, eternity placed within our hearts. And so uh, I write about it in the book. This isn't supposed to be a plug, but it's, it's on the existence of God chapter. And I, I tell this story about when I'm laying up looking at the stars, and I, there's actually a couple of stories. But anyways, both of those scenarios where I was laying there looking at the stars, the people I was with pondered the existence of God. Because I think it's natural to uh, question you know, uh, a creator at that moment. Anyways, I, I talk more about it in the book. If you want to, uh, more specifics on that, you can uh, wait a few months, I guess, to, to I, I, I'm probably going to self-publish on Amazon just because I can. I'll probably put a, a free PDF on the website as well, just because I can. So, ha, uh, suck it nerds. Anyways, um, capitalists, sorry, suck it capitalists. Uh, I am a capitalist anyways. So, uh, yeah, I just like giving free stuff. Um, but yeah, irresistible grace. We do have a calling within us. Um, and I think that you can use that in a, in apology, uh, in apologetics and, um, just ask them, you know, have you ever thought about it? Like, do you ever wonder like where we came from or why we're here? Like, what is your purpose? That's a great way to start with that, the irresistible grace, uh, aspect. But anyways, and finally the P for perseverance of the saints, um, that the elect cannot lose their salvation. Um, in terms of apologetics, I think that, uh, this is pretty decent. Um, again, going back to first John chapter two, verse 19, if somebody leaves the church and it shows that they never truly belong to the church. And so, um, you know, if this is usually with like an atheist, this kind of stuff doesn't pop up. Um, it's usually somebody that's a Christian uh, and they feel like they're struggling and they really just want affirmation that they're still saved and stuff like that because they feel like they've just gone so far away. Um, usually if somebody is worried that much about their salvation, they're probably good. <laughs> um, but anyways, there's there's more we could talk about that in another podcast about how to know if you're still saved. Um, so anyways, uh the perseverance of the saints aspect doesn't really apply to apologetics uh, in the sense of average conversation with atheists. Now, the only typical way that it will pop up is if an atheist who is learned in scripture tries to confuse you and makes you, uh, they try to understand your ideology. Uh, say, for example, if you're a Calvinist, um, they'll try to understand your ideology and then they'll try to attack it. 
just to try to prove you wrong. Um, and so if you believe that you can't lose your salvation, then an atheist who's learning scripture will be like, ah, oh, no, no, no. What about this verse? What about the parable of the rich man where the son um, or the father looks at the son and said he was dead, but now he's alive. I don't know. He wasn't. Nah, 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 nah. You might can. That, that's example of losing salvation. You know what I mean? So uh, a learned atheist will say things like that and just to try to confuse you and make you think differently um, and make you feel like you're wrong um, just because that's their goal. Most atheists these days, if somebody classifies himself as an atheist, realistically, their goal is to try to discredit you, not to join the faith. Just being realistic. So, um, and that's how it is with a lot of people these days because everybody feels like their opinion is valid to, in today's world. And this, this, of course, applies to me as well. Um, so, you know, I'm not like judging or anything, but everybody thinks that their opinion is validated and that everybody thinks that their opinion is more valuable than other people's opinions. And so in that, if I believe such and such, then I'm going to take my such and such over somebody else's such and such. Um, and so... You know, um, whereas before I feel like and I wasn't alive, you know, 50 years ago, but I feel like 50 years ago, it would have been up to scholars and educated people. Uh, we would have taken the advice of more educated, educated people than, than ourselves. Whereas in today's world, because we have access to so much information, we feel like we are so knowledgeable. But here's the thing when you and I'm sure you can all experience this, but when you go onto the Internet and you try to find a reputable source uh, you can find a website these days that prove what you're trying to prove, but that doesn't make it right. Because when we look at the website, there's so much stuff on the internet that, um, interesting. Anyways, I just got a text from CODIS. Um, but if you look up, if you're trying to prove a point, there's so much information on the internet that you can find whatever it is you're looking for, but that doesn't necessarily make it right. Because like, for example, if I were to Google is homosexuality a sin, the first page or two on Google would show that homosexuality is not a sin, believe it or not. But uh, if I go to the second or third page, I can find information that shows that homosexuality is a sin, which by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, homosexuality is certainly a sin. Um, there is a huge rush. We made a podcast on it. You'll have to look up the mistranslation in 1946. Um, that's a it's a huge ideology in today's society in, in modern day America about homosexuality not being a sin, um, but it certainly is. Um, but just because it's a sin doesn't mean that the things that and if you don't deal with homosexuality, uh, well, let me rephrase this: homosexuality is, is a sin, just like uh, adultery is. Homosexuality is just a sin, just as lying is. Now, granted, in the eyes of God, um, there are seven sins that are an abomination, like haughty eyes and stuff like that. Uh, that's in Proverbs. I believe it's chapter six. Go give it a read. Um, but uh, anyways, so let's not judge those who are outside of the church. The only kind of righteous judging we can do is within the church. So if somebody says that they're a homosexual outside of the church, then love them. Genuinely love them. Um, not just, don't just say that you love them and don't show it because that's so hypocritical and that's just going to push people away from the faith. Anyways, this is a Calvinism podcast, not anything else. So, um, or episode. So, uh, anyways, so that, that is Calvinism. That is also, uh, why I don't believe in Calvinism in terms of apologetics. Um, I, I believe we, we might, we might not have, but I think we have another podcast where I talk about the scriptural reasons why I'm not a, a Calvinist. Um, if not, I can make another one. Um, I guess you could say I'm a three-point Calvinist, um, which makes me not a Calvinist. <laughs> um, so again, I, uh, I believe that total depravity is correct. 
I believe that unconditional election is incorrect. Um, I believe that limited atonement is incorrect. And then I believe that irresistible grace is correct. And then uh, perseverance of the saints, I believe that is, um, well, based on the, the way they describe it, I'm kind of half and half. Um, but if we're describing perseverance of the saints as you can't lose your salvation, then I would agree with it. Um, because again, from God's perspective, we can't, but from the human perspective, we can't know, um, unless we are certain and solid in our faith. Like for example, I mentioned me earlier, I know I'm not going to abandon the faith. So, um, I know in that situation I am, uh, I will be saved. I am saved because I believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is evident in my life through fruits and, and all that fun jazz. Um, but if I'm speaking generically, then Theoretically, one can lose salvation, um, but specifically, one cannot lose salvation. I probably just confused a bunch of you, but that's okay. Uh, like I said, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram. Um, you can message us. DMs are always open. Um, so anyways, super cool stuff is happening with the, with all of our shirts and stuff. That's the end of this, this uh, I guess, the, the Calvinism topic. But feel free to go check out the shirts, the website com. But thank you all for listening. It's really cool. I didn't expect this to be 32 minutes, but you know what? It is what it is. So uh, I appreciate it. And this is something that's fairly relevant to today. So uh, based off of TikTok, that is. So um, I love you. Codus loves you, I'm sure. He's not here, but you know, he loves you. He loves everybody. He's a good guy. Um, definitely loving. He uh, demonstrates fruit. But uh, and most importantly, God loves you, and he loves you the best. He loves you so well. Like He, don't even, he died for you. He did. He really died for you. Um, <laughs> that goes back. Are you Calvinist or are you not? Are you Christian or are you not listening to this podcast? I am not a Calvinist, so I believe no matter who you are, he died for you. But if he, if I'm a Calvinist, I don't believe that if you aren't a Christian. So <laughs> point whatever my beliefs are, theology is classical Arminianism, um, kind of, I guess. It's the closest thing, all right? Anyways. I just, I just try to make sense of the Bible with what I can. But anyways, God loves you. Y'all go at Godspeed.